At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like my Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. The numbers told the story they always do. This is a numbers game with Gil Alexander on VSIN. It's one of those idiots who believe in analytics. Hour number two of a numbers game at VSIN, the Sports Betting Network, VSIN.com, the VSIN app, Fubo, Game Plus, iHeartRadio, YouTube TV, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. So I'll leave them out. It's Gil Alexander. Jeff Parlay is here as well, the Sports Betting Network. Jeff, you good? Health problems behind you? I, 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 look, look, what the Mets did to the Braves this weekend put me in a very good mood. You are very bull- good mood. What they, this what is, they did. This is a development for you because you are not bullish easily. You're happy now. Look, they've they've shown the Mets have shown us how good they are all year. They had the one. You're stretch. finally buying it. No, they, look, yeah. I, I've bought it the whole time, and I hey, this was a great confirmation bias weekend for me. <laughs> because it confirmed my thoughts on the Mets of them being, all right, top four team, can beat anyone now that DeGrom and Scherzer are both back. And that the Atlanta Braves just took advantage of bad teams on their schedule when they got extraordinarily hot and now you have d- looked bad against the Mets in two series the I last did, month. I was laughing at you for most of the season because you were like, if the Braves would just start stop beating up on bad teams. Uh, the lead now in the NL Central, six and a half games. Six and a half for the Mets in the division now. For the yeah. Metropolitans over what would be the number one wild card Atlanta Braves at this point. And if the they're Mets, closer to the Phillies than they are to the Mets now. That's right. Three games back uh, behind the Braves are the Phillies. The Phillies would inhabit the number two wild card position right now. And the swooning Padres would be the number three wild card right now. And don't look now, but that thing getting bigger in your rear view. 
Is the San Francisco? No, let me stop. Okay, I won't go that crazy. Paul Spore is here, ladies and gentlemen, from Fangraphs, of course, the Sleeper in the Bus podcast, and of course, twitch.tv slash Spore. Paulie, good morning. How you doing, man? Morning, Gil. I'm well. How are you? Uh, doing very well. Let's talk about another team that's in the swoon. You know where I'm going with this. The New York Yankees. Oh, yep. boy. All right, let's get specifically. I'll tell you what the uh, what the number is here on the Yankees. What is it? Uh, I just want to get this right. Uh, Yankees were a season-high 38 games over 500 on July 8th. They were 61-23. and 23. Since then, they're 9-16, and 70-39 and 39 overall. Uh, that with yesterday's loss uh, to the Cardinals, 12-9. Uh, with that, they've lost a season-high five straight and have been swept in a three-game series for the first time this season. Isn't this? Because we talked about this. With, like, they just they had a lot of holes, right? Yeah. Um, and they just did seem to be overcoming the, the Gallo, Kiner, Falefa defensive issues. Um, this was pretty predictable, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, they had to hit a lull somewhere. It just felt like even if you respect them as as a good team, which I do – I don't think they're the best team and yet that's, you know, that's where they've been tracking and, and they still, they are behind the Dodgers now uh, as far as the best record in the league tied with the Mets. I don't know. I look up and down that team and I just, I don't get the warm and fuzzies about it outside of the, the few big spots. It, it feels, it feels more stars and scrubs than it should. But again, you look at the bottom of that order, they moved on from Gallo, of course, but it's not like they replaced them with any sort of major stalwart there. Uh, I mean, I guess you could look at it as Benintendi replacing him. I know he's off to a slow start. I think he's fine, but like Aaron Hicks playing every day now. Uh, the Bader acquisition could be good when he gets back, but he's not due back for another month. I didn't understand that trade. I don't think I can be convinced that another starting pitcher deal didn't fall through when they made that Montgomery deal. And that's the tough part about making one trade, linking it to another, is that if the other one falls through, you have what looks like kind of a bizarre move. And I just cannot be convinced that they have enough pitching depth that they could just let Jordan Montgomery go, even with some of his issues, you know, doesn't always go super deep in games, had weird win loss record, even though he was on such a good team, all that. I, I don't care. I don't understand why they felt that they were in a good enough position that they could just let him go for somebody that they're not even going to have mm-hmm. for a month yeah. with uh, Harrison Bader, who I do love, but he has plantar fasciitis, which cuts into the biggest uh, attributes that he has, which is his speed for offense and defense. So I didn't get it. I've never been a huge fan of this Yankees team this year. And then we saw a little bit of the ugliness this weekend. What was so funny about that and funny, my word, but it was, it was like the trade deadline was almost like drifting off. And then like right at the end, that sort of bizarro, like, wait, yeah. why did you do that? And uh, I thought for sure that Pablo Lopez, you know, yeah. or, or Carlos Rodon was going to be the, the 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 secondary move on that, and that would explain why they let go of Jordan Montgomery, who I really like as a pitcher. Okay, I think I speak for a lot of baseball fans, but we'll do this obviously from a betting perspective in terms of yes/no playoffs. So the Padres make the big move for Soto, and mm-hmm. they can't win a baseball game now. Short term, I'm I just know. saying. Orioles make the, you know, the the contract-savvy moves of Mancini and Lopez, right? But again, I, I sort of mentioned last week, did they really have the social capital to do that? I don't know. It's like you're telling your fans, I get why you did it, but you're kind of telling your fans, well, wait a little longer, O's fans, you know, it'll happen. But they I get, should, though. They should, they should, though. I get why they wait, do wait, it. Right? Wait a little longer, yeah. because... This was a, and it doesn't hurt, especially the Lopez one. Bautista's every bit is good, and they have a deep bullpen, so I don't worry about that move. Mancini's a little bit tougher, but I think it was the right move, and they did well in that trade. But here's here's where I'm getting back to. So Padres make the big move, Orioles sort of punt. 
chances that one of the one or both of these things happen. Padres don't make playoffs. Orioles do. I mean, there's still a chance the Padres don't. I would not bet that. I think they're going to be fine, um, you know, because another small sample uh, biting them in the butt type of thing is the Brewers not playing well either. And they made a trade with the Padres and everyone's like, why are they trading Hater and all that? And again, I thought that that trade makes sense. But then in the short term, when they're blowing games, it looks bad. Um, I just don't know that the Orioles have enough horses, particularly on offense, to stay in. So I think the Padres will make it. I think the Orioles will fade. It, it, the Orioles look so much like the Mariners last year and look where the Mariners are this year. So if the Orioles go out, have an, an aggressive and, and, you know, competitive off season, I think that they should be on the same trajectory. I think they fall short this year though. It'd be great if they don't, but I, I think I'm going to predict them to fall short still for this year with the O's Padres should be fine. All right. If I come to you, from, if I come to you from the future and I say, listen, the Mets, they didn't get there and it wasn't because of injury. Then, okay. then what's your best guess as to why it, your best guess as to why it happened. Crusty offense fell apart. The offense fell apart. That's that's what I would I would have to think that yeah. the stars came back down and then the supplemental guys didn't didn't overachieve. You didn't have Luis Guillorme still doing his thing as a super util. Canha getting his clutch hits that he's been known to do. Uh, Nimmo getting on base. You know maybe his OBP drops to like 350, which is a good OBP for most guys, but he's a 400 type. So a bunch of little things like I guess he's at 356 right now. He has is a lot lower than than normal. So let's say he, go, he drops down to like 330 for a month, something like that. So if it's not injury, it would have to be the offense because I think that pitching. If, if you're going to say that Scherzer and, and DeGrom are going to stay healthy, and then the other guys, too, if you're saying no injury, I think the pitching is going to be fine. It would have to be the offense or some key bullpen issues like the bridge to Diaz because I don't see a world where Diaz falls apart. No. So that even in a fictional world that we're existing in here, it would be, be weird to say that Diaz would become the problem. The bridge to him and a lack of offense would be what I assume in a no injury world here with this hypothetical. Yeah, I give you three quarter marks for the for the offense answer. My my specific answer was going to be they get in the they're in the playoffs. Degrom and Scherzer, yeah, it, it was basically more specific. Degrom and Scherzer have these unbelievable outings with no with no run with support nothing. whatsoever. Yeah. Yes, and, yeah. and and you're like, oh, there it is. Um, by the way, about Diaz, because we brought this up first thing on the show today. We brought it up last week, but I don't think we brought it up with you. Um, his numbers are just off the charts. The record for K percentage in a season and K per nine for, for a reliever was Raldis Chapman in 2014 uh, with the Cincinnati Reds. He didn't get a single Cy Young vote. Edwin Diaz is 90 to 1, 100 to 1 even in some spots currently to win the Cy Young. Come on. It's worth, a, worth something on that, isn't it? Or not at all? Zach Britton ended up getting getting some love there and and, and kind of made it uh, a bit more uh, of a race. I still think that when you're looking at volume uh, of what uh, starters do and the fact that there are going to be great starters out there, it's going to be tough. But as far as at least taking the shot on it and that, hey, if he takes over these next two months and they just surge to the number one seed, you know, they overtake the Dodgers or something, that narrative can start to be written. So if you yes. like it at all. I'm fine putting a half unit or even a full unit on it just for the fun of of potentially spiking that with uh, Diaz. I'm just, we haven't had a reliever in forever, forever. when a tie. Yeah, 2003, Gagne, 92, Eckersley in the AL. But again, just to finish the thought again, 52.5% for, for, for Chapman, 52.9% K rate right now for Diaz. Nuts. Uh, yeah, and what was it, 17 point something Ks per nine uh, for, um, for Chapman, and, and Diaz is exceeding that as well. 
at the current 18.1. Yeah, yeah. yeah 18. So I'm just saying it's like the key is to get ahead of these things. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but Robbie Ray, a week ago, two years ago, I get it, starter, 100 to 1. This narrative on Diaz, I think, can pick up, and Jeff said it earlier, the key to all of this, they're the first place team. So mm-hmm. I, th- I think this is different, right? This is different from Chapman and Kimbrell in 2014, who did get some Cy Young votes. This is, and it's New York for God's sakes, right? Like, why shouldn't that apply? And the whole big, again, these are, these are narrative things, but we're talking about voters. So you have to put some of these soft things in the whole setup when he comes in now has become more of a national thing. Everyone's really excited about his entrance with the trumpets and all that. And you're starting to build up the Diaz story. And again, if he goes, you know, no blown saves the rest of the way type deal, continuing to strike out half his batters. Some key wins against the Braves and and Phillies and maybe the Do- I don't know if the Dodgers are on their schedule anymore, but you know other big teams. You can write the narrative. Um, it, it's at least worth this discussion here. I totally agree with you. And if you like getting in on some long shots, uh, I think the narrative can definitely be written for for Diaz. Small slate. We only have thirty seconds, but there's only seven games. Uh, DFS thoughts and maybe your favorite bet out there. Give me, give me a give me a Toronto stack. I know Jordan Lyles has actually done well at home, um, but I'm gonna, I'm going to go ahead and pick on him here. I think the Toronto numbers will be a little bit depressed. Uh, maybe a Mets stack against uh, Justin Dunn as well coming up for the Reds. As far as a team to to attack this uh, this evening. Let me try the Mariners again. I tried them last yeah. time and that Marco Gonzalez got smoked. They're at home against the Yankees. I'm going to keep the Yankees in the downturn and I'm going to say Logan Gilbert in the in the Mariners. Paulie, always great seeing you, man. Appreciate the Nationals hat as well. Thanks, Gil. That was just, just for you. Paul oh, Spore, everybody, right here on the Numbers Game at Visa the Sports Betting Network. Las Vegas, Chris on the other side. A whole bunch of NFL handicapping thoughts, including reading markets. That'll be fun. Next. Gil Alexander on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Back on a numbers game where sports betting lives. It's Gil Alexander on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Jeff Parlay is here as well. Ladies and gentlemen, in studio, a man who has won, and I'm, I'm looking at the uh, the resume here. Uh, you know, again, won uh, the, the Palm contest back in the day. What was that, $100,000? Win. Palms wasn't that much. Oh, win was 100000 I know win was 100000 Palms contest back in the day. Uh, college football, last man standing, won that. Uh, you tied for first here at the, uh, what is this one, Stations Casino, last man standing again, right? That was the pro football version of that. Second and fifth in Circa. I could go on, but we don't have enough time. It's Las Vegas. Chris, everybody, how you doing, man? Oh, I'm groggy. I, I got too much sleep. I got six and a half hours, so I, I mash <laughs> potato brains at the moment. Well, what problems do you have? <laughs> I never see six hours of sleep. <laughs> I want to. I want to go into your uh, a bunch of tweets. There's there's some really good, meaty topics here. But first, uh, you are doing some some big things media wise these days. Uh, yeah, I'm very excited. Uh, my uh, partner Ron and I have been interviewing some of the more uh, more notable people in the industry, uh, with the intention of producing original topics as much as possible that haven't been discussed before. So we've done. Paul Stone, Brad Powers, Warren Sharp, uh, Todd Furman. Uh, we've got some great guests uh, uh, coming up also. And the oh, and Met Metcalf was the was was a rocket ship. Uh, we did a two part segment with Matt Metcalf from Circa. He's the director. And there was a great pod the week before with uh, Chris Bennett, and we intentionally 
made sure that the 90 minutes didn't duplicate any of that. So uh, how can people find their way to your YouTube? I had Las Vegas, Chris, YouTube. Uh, and then also what I did today is I condensed, I have so many people reaching out to me about contests. I condensed and made a playlist of other appearances I've had on various shows where I discuss contest strategy. So that's probably worth a look. What contest are you going to be in this, this year? I'm going to do Circa Million Super Contest and, and the Super Contest Gold. You're back in gold. Had you always been doing gold? No, I wasn't in gold when Ever. they were taking money out. Oh, okay. Or, I don't like the one winner concept. There's, it, it was nice when there were fewer, fewer people in there, but there's too many people in there. You've got you've to pay more. You've got to pay three or five or ten. How many are they pay now for gold? One. Just still it's one. one winner only. Still one. But you're so, in it this year. I haven't gotten into anything yet. So. I know, but you're thinking about it. Yeah, that, I'm thinking saying. about it. Okay. Um, all right, let's go through some of these. Some of these are going to be more simple than others. Others are going to be deep dive ones. This one, this one's pretty straightforward. Let's just start with this. This is uh, at Las Vegas Chris uh, on his Twitter. Always <laughs> pithy. This one's very straightforward. Just because it's available doesn't mean you have to indulge. Don't let the game choose you. You choose the game. So much waste money on TV games of no value. Yeah, but they, you know that's a vanilla comment. Anybody that's mm-hmm. been around is probably sick and tired of hearing it. But you know, for the new people, there's a lot of new people That's entering right. the space. Uh, the most efficient markets are the TV games. So you're going to have a hard time finding value, especially right before game time or day of. So, uh, you know, don't piss away your bankroll just to watch TV games. And I have a couple of people in DMs that say, you know, that they keep on doing it. They know that they're doing it, and they know that they're losing on those games, but that's the only way they can enjoy watching these games. And, hey, it's your money. You spend it any way you want, but just be aware it's the most efficient markets uh, that you're going to find. What do you do as a better that you know is stupid to do, but yet you can't help yourself from doing sometimes also? Because we're all human, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I mean... I, I think it's just carelessness or uh, um, I think it's just carelessness. Well, that's quite seeps, frankly, that seeps into it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I've gotten over having to bet a game for any purpose. Uh, uh, it's it's I wish I was tracking records better, uh, like my data better. I'm a little bit behind. So time management is uh, is a real headache for me. Okay. This is now here. Here's where we start to get into a little deeper stuff. So this is a response that you had to uh, Beagle Betts here and Steve Fezzik as well. It says it depends on if you're an originator and trust your numbers. In many cases, knowing why the market is moving and who is moving it is priority. When did it move? Why did it move? What factors are open that will move it? Where is it going to end up? For starters, now this is a huge thing, but most people, Chris. When they, when they hear about, okay, market reading, this is what you're talking about right here, wouldn't even know where to begin with this. So what can you sort of, because you are the best market reader. You're one of the greatest, if not the best that I've ever seen. Where, where would, you know, what's your 101 on that for new betters? Not even new betters, but more advanced betters too. Well, the hilarity of this is that learning to read the market is a lot easier than you think. It's uh, it's so multi-layered. I mean, there's levels of this, but anybody can watch the screen and anybody can figure out who the sharper books are. Watch the screen, look for the patterns, uh, just see what's going on day to day. Uh, and when you 
again, I, I, I come in contact with a lot of young handicappers that are very good. And we've seen an influx of metrics not being as valuable as insight. And I, I don't know whether that's a temporary thing, uh, but that's an oddity that's going on. But regardless, they don't concern themselves with reading the market, and they're still okay. I, I, you know, I feel like the things are going to turn against them, and they're losing value because you have to know where the market is going to go if you're serious about it. So uh, watching the screen is important, knowing and observing when the markets move, try to figure out why the market moved. Did it move on information? Did it move on a service releasing plays? Did it uh, move on a certain group just uh, uh, playing? Uh, watch each book to see what they do differently also. Uh, know when the limits go up and, and people may be coming in. Know when the injury news is going to be coming out. Um, looking back on why something moved, looking at what time of week certain markets move. So give an example of what's a, what's a move that you would just pass off and you wouldn't care about. Like what time of week in the NFL season? What time of week? Oh, there's no move I just, you know, ignore. I mean, I want to know where it came from. So oftentimes if I don't know why something's moving, I'll contact one of my resources or several of my resources and I'll, and I'll ask them because I, I, I can call certain books and uh, certain faraway places and find out who moved what. And that's what I'll do. I want to know why it moved and who moved it. You can do that, but the average person cannot do that. The average person cannot, but they can find certain trends of when stuff moves and they can be aware of notable people that might have tweeted or discussed that they're going to be releasing a play. Um, Care to share a notable person or two that people should be monitoring then? For NFL? Yes. Well, we we know that uh, Adam Chernoff is going to be running his shows on covers uh, where he's going to be releasing plays periodically. So you're going to want to be aware of when that time period is. Uh, is Massey Peabody still moving, moving numbers? They were for a bit. I don't think so. Okay. I don't pay attention to them, actually. Okay. That could be a flaw on my part. I don't know. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm curious. I'm curious who is the – because, you know, back in the day we were talking college, college football, we would say Bob was doing it, right? He would move yeah. markets massively. Now he'll even admit, like, he'll move it some, but it'll come back sometimes, right? Um, so all that stuff is – all that stuff is fascinating. And just sort of – and I hope this question isn't too nuanced, but – with that, are you are you more interested in 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 get is that a commentary on trying to so the reason that you should know all of that is so that you get the highest rate of getting the best number, or is it more that the that the line moves mean something and translate to wins? Does that make any sense? So in other words, What's what's yeah, you're nodding for, for well for me I don't care about the NFL because I trust my numbers and I originate what I do and I track when the market moves against me and I actually have a higher winning percentage when the market moves against me for some reason so I have confidence in what I'm doing but if it's anything else uh, CLV is very important CLV is very for important the average person but I'll tell you I've been getting buried in MMA, 
and MLB CLV lately. So I, I'm just so fed up, and it's a running commentary between people I talk to. Oh, we got a CLV winner. Uh, that's a loser. I mean, it well, really feels that way lately. Well, I had full baseball seasons where I beat CLV and got crushed, right? It's frustrating. So, I, again, closing line value is what we're talking about. It is still true that the rate at which you can beat that long-term, generally speaking, I'm not talking about a sport where you think your numbers are better. That's different, right? Maybe that's different for you in football. Uh, but generally speaking, for the average better, the better you are at beating closing line numbers, uh, the higher the rate you can do that at, the better you'll better off you'll yeah, be. Yeah, I know. I agree with that. Yeah. Uh, generally, you want CLV. I mean, yes. because it tells you that you're doing something right. Okay, we got we got more of these. That was a bit nuanced, but we'll. Some of these are, are a little lighter. Some of these are. There's another one here that's fascinating to me that I want to get into, which you alluded to there in the segment, which has to do with modeling versus non-modeling and how the non-modeling thing is kind of taking precedence these days. We'll get into that with Las Vegas Chris right here on a numbers game at Visa, the Sports Betting Network. Gil Alexander on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Don't forget, our college football guide is out. Out now, and the NFL guide is coming right around the bend just a couple weeks from now. Start your football season on the right foot, on the good foot, with expert profiles of every team, including team trends, power ratings, and over under recommendations, plus best bets on season win totals, division finishes, and player awards. Remember, the only way to get access to this year's football betting guides is to become a VSIN all access subscriber. Sign up early, and for a discounted $175, you'll receive the college and pro football betting guides, along with full VSIN access all the way through the Super Bowl. Or join us for $40 a month and see everything VEASAN has to up your betting game. Go to VEASAN.com slash subscribe for all your options and become part of the Sports Betting Network. We get uh, tweets at Beating the Book. Uh, Dale J. Matecki. Gil, I'm sorry to bother you during the show, but I missed your dog tennis pick. I got uh, Jensen Brooksby, then my phone cut out. Francisco Serundolo was the dog pick. But remember, I got him at better prices yesterday. I would The price I was seeing on Brooksby was a little too high at the beginning of the show. Don't play at anything above the minus 160. Serundolo, you can still play. I got it north of $2, but it was plus 180-something at the beginning of the show. Uh, this is from Nemesis Enforcer. Uh, peeped uh, Bud's uh, uh, season win total last segment, or conference season win totals. Never heard your death row story. Do tell, was it during the... P- was it doing the Tupac year of 95, 96? I'll tell my death row story another time. We're talking to Las Vegas, Chris, for goodness sakes. Uh, multiple handicapping winner. I'll get to the death row story one day. Um, Chris, more tweets. This is good stuff here. Adam Chernoff, by the way, DMing as well, chiming in on it. Um, I won't necessarily share because it was a DM. But this is, uh, we'll, we'll, get to the, we'll get to the good stuff here, but we'll start with a lighter one here. This is on your Twitter feed. It says, many indicate they want plays to help in contests. Of course they would from you. My goodness. Yep. Contest success has little to do with betting. Ah, key point. The goals seem the same on the surface, but far different. You don't play versus the house, and here's the big one. I use plays I don't bet on. Opposite sides, games I have no interest in, entirely different in contest. And why you have an emotional support dog photo, I have no idea. <laughs> but you do. With sunglasses and a cigarette. This is such a key point, right? Because James Salinas, our buddy, who has won, a, uh, won the Super Contest, finished third a couple years later, or the next year, then like 26, two years after that. You're a huge contest player. Now, your bets have actually been super successful. Another's matter the last few years as well. 
but it's such a great point about contests because we, understandably, right, we're filling content, so we talk about contests every week during the NFL season, whether it's Survivor, but specifically when we're talking about handicapping contests, and we're talking about five games. If you're betting five pre-flop NFL games every week, uh, some people might, you know, a, a certain few might do that every week, but typically most people don't. And so there's going to be a few in there, if not, you know, more on some weeks, but there's going to be a couple, if not more, that are just your playing contest strategy, for lack of a better term. Is that right? Yeah. I, mean, I guess the point of it was that I had, I've had a lot of people contact me in DM and they want to know how they can get my contest picks or, or my bets and they want to use them for the contest. And I say, whoa, 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 wait a minute. My bets aren't going to do you any good in the contest because uh, the lines are going to be different and, you know, significantly uh, different in some cases. And as the uh, tweet mentions, it, they just don't have anything to do with each other. Uh, it's, you know, yeah, I mean, I'm using, I think I use on average three plays per, three out of the five plays are plays that I've bet. But that, but everything you said, which is there, not, right? which is a very low percentage. But I mean, think about it. Like, right, contests lines are static Wednesday, right. so oftentimes your lines that you bet are are different, and that is, and especially as the year goes on, I would imagine your your bets to be to be you know immediately transferred into a contest have even less to do typically with what's going on if you're involved in a, in in contention, let's say, in a contest, because you've really got to figure out how to play the field, if you will, your opponents. Well, don't I don't want that overemphasized. The the key is to focus on your process, your habits, uh, and how you're going to come up with the plays. I mean, worrying about the other people—that's a huge mistake. Well, I, until you get to the end, uh, that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about yeah, the end, right? Yeah, you got to be cognizant of but, that for but sure. It, you brought up something that's very important because I get people all the time that are worried about you know week four lines. Oh. Just get the winners just in. Play Don't it. worry about anything until you're getting in. You know, you're you know you're past a dozen. Yeah, what is it? it's like yeah, it's it's way too early. What was it? Uh, I was in a startup years ago. And uh, we had a, we were young, and I, we had a, one guy who was super old, super old. Like now, I don't think of him as super old. Younger he was than our, you now. No, right? no, no. He was still older than me <laughs> okay. now. But it was, it was, uh, it was our adult supervision. I remember him saying, "We're going against our brand." I was like, "We don't have a brand yet, Murray." Murray, by the way, we don't have a brand. But it was so early, right? This is week four. You don't know if you're in anybody no. or anything. Uh, okay, can we go back to that other tweet? Because I think this one more than anything really resonated with me. And this has to do, we, we talked about it before the break. It, it, you know, listen, we talk analytics on this show. We have modelers who are on this show. And the beauty of handicapping and the reason that I, you know, one of the many reasons why I wanted to do a podcast on it more than a decade ago, sports betting, not only is it a reflection of the human condition, but there's so many ways to skin the cat. And on one end of the spectrum, there's the most mathematical guy who does things by the numbers and exclusively by the numbers. And on the far other end of the spectrum, there's smoke and mirrors. And there's, you know, typically the right answer is somewhere in between. But here's something from uh, Waz Better IQ, which I think was great. And you commented on this. He said, the sports betting landscape has started to shift. The edge for modelers as a whole has been slowly diminishing over the last five plus years. Pure handicappers who incorporate more qualitative elements have seen increases in their edge as the quality of information improves. Do we have Chris's uh, response to that? Because you chimed in on this. I thought it was a fascinating tweet. Um, 
And I don't, in general, I don't disagree with it. And your response was, yes, agreed. There has been a success increase for those not using a model. Is it temporary or here to stay? Great question. Don't think we know for sure yet. I noticed that most of the new breed have no understanding of how to read a market. We go back to that now, which lowers their returns. So, I mean, I think this is a fascinating subject because... We, we try to say on this show, we did a great job of this on primetime action, maybe not so much on a numbers game, where we try to say, hey, just because you have a model, you know, some people are like, oh, it must mean he's super smart, right? You shouldn't assume that with people. No. You just shouldn't. But if it's for, to most people, like, oh, this guy must be a genius. Um, and you also have to evolve over time. What was an edge for you in one sport in 2014 is not going to be an, it goes away and it goes away quick, right? So, this is a fascinating thing. Do you believe that this shift is somewhat different than in the past? Well, I think we have to factor in the enormous volume of added betters in the marketplace. And maybe the CLVs losing a little value, potentially. Uh, when you're talking about the, the gobs and gobs of money being bet, Maybe the people that used to influence the market don't have as much influence anymore. That's a great point. And then you also have, uh, for NFL in particular, uh, you've got groups from Europe now betting, and they bet at idiotic times sometimes. They could have had an, a key extra half point or a point. Uh, and I think Matt and Warren uh, brought those same issues up and in the videos we've been doing. Uh, I, I don't understand why there are some people betting at the dumbest times, and I just don't understand it. But as far as the the models always change. I had to revamp my model when scoring elevated in NFL in 2016, and I had to change some things. Unfortunately, I haven't had to change anything since, but you always have to tweak or it, your edge is just going to go away. But I'm noticing a lot of people, uh, not a lot of people, but – Handicappers that have no model, they're doing it on the fly with information and uh, feel and whatever their personal process is, and they're doing well. And I keep waiting for the hammer to fall, which we've all been through, where we we have success, we get confident, we get a little bit copy, uh, cocky, and then boom, you know. It always comes. And then the wall hits. And I, there's a, a couple of people that I'm in contact with, they haven't seen the wall yet. And, it, and they're overdue. And I want to continue with this, but I want to I come back to something you just said right there, which was uh, you were talking about European groups and they're betting this stuff at the wrong time. So there's going to be people listening who are like, well, yeah, but that, that could be me too, that I'm betting stuff at the wrong time on any given NFL week. How am I supposed to know that that number is going to be more, uh, is going to improve for me based on where I would like to bet it, based on the team I want to bet? Like, that is, is that just experience tells you? Because, or, or here, let me put it another way. Should they be willing to go in a mode where they wait for the much better number and just be willing to let that game go away then? Well, it depends on the numbers. If they're not as skilled as you, if they don't know for a fact that that better number's coming. It depends on the numbers. I mean, you, you're going to want to do everything you can to ensure that you're getting that, you know, that best number. In NFL... You just can't be buying points in general because uh, the value has been diluted a little bit. Um, and in college football, I just want to uh, mention, South Point doesn't charge an up fee on any number, including three. And I think stations is the same way. Uh, that'll tell you that there's not a single number in NCAA football worth buying except maybe 
two or three times a year out of all the thousands of games. If they're not charging, there's a right. reason why they're not and, charging. And every sports book should allow uh, players to buy a half point for 10 cents. I mean, I, I, it, it dumbfounds me how, you know, one place in, in town charges 40 cents on the three. More with Las Vegas Chris. I want to follow up again on the modeling versus uh, otherwise tweet and more tweets from him to dig down just to give you a little macro perspective, a little more macro perspective on handicapping. Right here on a numbers game at Visa and the Sports Betting Network. A numbers game with Gil Alexander on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. BetMGM, the king of sports books, unleashes the spirit of Las Vegas with BetMGM rewards. Every time you make a wager at BetMGM, you can earn BetMGM rewards points that you can redeem for online bonus credits like free bets and risk free tokens. Planning a trip to Vegas? Well, you can also convert your BetMGM points into MGM rewards points you can use towards dining, shows, and hotel rooms at over 20 MGM resorts properties located on the Las Vegas Strip and nationwide. BetMGM, uh, BetMGM rewards, that is. Sports betting's premier loyalty program featuring exclusive offers, incredible experiences, and valuable perks when you wager on the BetMGM app. Sign up with BetMGM or log on today to get an even bigger piece of the action with BetMGM rewards. Eligibility restrictions apply. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Gil Alexander, Las Vegas. Chris in the studio. Want to work our way back to the uh, to the modeling one. Can we, uh, we have a few more of his uh, tweets, do we? Let's uh, get to those first, because I am I'm I'm super fascinated by the. Is this a different time? Well, since I'm since I'm talking about it, because I often try on this show we have through the years anyway, tried in our own way to sort of say, hey, as much as we're into the analytics, and it's funny, Aaron Schatz always says this. He's like, just because I'm just because I like analytics doesn't mean I don't watch games. In fact, I probably watch more than you than you do. Um, but people tend to think, oh, well, if you're in analytics, you're only in analytics. Analytics. I can't say the word. But we've tried on this show to sort of say, hey, look, I think if you probably don't have some base in numbers, you're probably doing it wrong. But we acknowledge that there's other ways in sports betting. There's other stuff that is informational, like the draft is a great example, right? It has nothing to do with anything but a race for information. Well, here's an example right here. The NFL has asked officials to pay particular attention to illegal contact fouls. <laughs> Jeff mentioned this all I mean, there. what a... Yes. So that's uh, going to be a problem, potential yes. problem. First of all, from a viewing perspective, how many, how many bets are people going to just say are caused by this one emphasis now? The losses are going to be caused by this. It's not a potential problem. It's going to be a problem uh, early in the season. So they are em- just to clarify. They are emphas- they are re-emphasizing illegal contact. Yeah, they so, were the league is, since they instituted the penalty last year was the lowest amount of illegal contact calls they ever had at thirty six. They let them play. They let them play, which is the correct thing to do. Now, if a receiver is six yards downfield and gets coughed on, we're going to see a flag. At least in the first month, we probably will. Yeesh. Yeah, I mean, that's what we see sometimes is that the NFL will institute new policies or goals with the referees, and it only lasts a month. I was going to say, sometimes it only lasts during the preseason. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Here's one from Chris. Many bettors listen slash watch vid slash pods, so they gather some info to sound smart to their friends. Very few people will put in the work required. This is like, uh, this is beyond sports betting. This is just a lesson for life here. There's some satisfaction to many that they know the processes they don't have time or desire to implement. 
<laughs> so, and your uh, meme here on the side says, I wanted to go jogging, but it looks like rain. <laughs> so in other words, they, they, they want to know the, uh, the process. They want to know some secret sauce, but they can't be bothered for actually implementing and going through it. Well, I think a lot of the secret sauce is extremely interesting to a lot of people, but uh, the application and diligence to follow through with habits and uh, structure to betting and uh, process – uh, that goes by the wayside because people have lives. They, they have a day people job. They've lives. got family, kids. and But they like to know the information. They like to share with their friends. Um, they like to repeat it like a, a parrot in some cases. But they're oftentimes hypocritical like we all are about certain things. We like to know what's available to us if we choose to make that effort. Mm-hmm. Let's go to one more. Let's go one more here. This is about NFL futures. Um, I like this one because this is this sort of puts stuff in perspective as well. Um, Chris tweets: There are no must-bet NFL futures. You may find some value here and there, sure. Some of these teams, like every year, come out of nowhere to destroy their expectations. Uh, expectations. Lots of moving parts with so many players and coaches. Lots of time before first real game, lots can happen. What are you trying to uh, convey there? I, you know what? I, I think I had another tweet also that said, I used to not do any work before NFL week one, and I did just fine, and I actually did better. Uh, I, I, I believe that absorbing information and having awareness is only going to help, but it doesn't mean you have to take action on it. Uh, the, the lines have been out for a long time. They've been put in place and you have to be aware of that. There's no gold out there. You know, there's no, there's just, you don't know whether these players got divorced, uh, they lost their motivation or they have extra motivation. You don't know the team chemistries. Uh, there are just so many variables. I mean, we're seeing some key players already get hurt, getting hurt in practice, uh, the variables are asinine. So there's there's no compulsion to have to bet these futures. Right. Well, I think, you know, again, I, I will say this. I go, because we do content, right, and I do 10 hours a week, other sh- you know, before I was doing 25 hours a week when I did two shows, it, it, you got to talk about something at some point. And so a lot of it is, hey, we're just talking because it's interesting to some and some might – but, you know, we're, we're pretty – we try to be pretty deliberate on, on when we're saying, oh, well, now this is a great bet kind of thing. Um, this, But most of it isn't, right? Okay, let me go back to the modeling thing because I, I just want to – I think this is the crux of everything that I want to talk about, which is you're going to have Dr. Bob, my buddy, Dr. Bob, your buddy, Dr. Bob now, on your show. Bob's been on this show many, many times. I love the man. Uh, my relationship with him goes back many years. He is one of these guys who always says to me that he doesn't watch much. You don't either, by the way. But Bob like, sort of used to wear it on a ba- as a badge of honor that he didn't watch. Yeah. And I always used to, first of all, I didn't believe him 100%. Uh, but I always used to say to him, I go, Bob, you know, I'm not wired that way. I need to watch. I learn from what you're like. You're, 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 it's like you ate a lemon. Yeah. So I feel like, and if I go back, and this, again, relates to the... Uh, the tweet that was up earlier, which is that the sports betting landscape, was better IQ said, the sports betting landscape has started to shift. The edge for modelers as a whole, as a whole, is key. Because there are modelers who still get it done uh, in certain sports. 
I'm not saying this is universal, but the edge for modelers as a whole has been slowly diminishing over the last five plus years. Pure handicappers who incorporate more qualitative elements have seen increases in their edge as the quality of information improves. As I look back on just, just sort of looking back on all my bets over the last, I don't know how many years. And I think, okay, what did I, if I'm looking at the money, uh, the money made pie, how much of it was from modeling, which for me is tennis, right? I'll originate tennis. And how much of it was made from more nebulous stuff like NFL draft, like um, just bad numbers, like not a whole bunch of thought, like college baseball, right? 101 on, on Ole Miss, just a bad number. But I wasn't like breaking down stats of players, you know, um, Warriors, Pablo Boncaro, NBA draft, number one. And the answer is, it probably, this is why this resonates with me so much. The answer is, the modeling is probably less than 50% at this point. And yeah. so that's, that's what makes all of this so fascinating, is that if it were so easy, right, if it was so linear, then we'd have nothing to talk about. But because everything requires some other kind of nuanced discipline, that's what makes this so fascinating. Does that make any sense? No, you, you're hitting the nail on the head. But, you know, one of the things I think I've mentioned it before is that you, 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 you see a lot of these NFL shows and they're repeating and mimicking the exact same stats that everybody has. EPA, right. DVOA, a couple of other things, and then they're done. And you, NFL does not come down to EPA or DVOA. It's literally one of 50 inputs. That's how diluted the value is on those stats for me. So if if you're hearing that the EPA is this, the DVOA is this, and it, that's important, no, it's not. It's 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 one of a tiny tiny amount of inputs. Was it Spanky was uh, was texting about preview guides, right? We were promoting, we promote our own t preview guides. Aaron Schatz is a preview guy. Warren Sharp, like a lot of people put out preview guides, and and the notion of like translating that into a winning bet. And I would argue, like, I don't know, week to week to week basis, game by game, yeah, it probably doesn't. But like, there's a nugget or two for season long that I do think are fascinating for season long bets. Like, if the Niners are, you know, if they have 600 plus yards in defensive penalties uh, taken last year, oh, that is actually interesting because they overcame that. Um, so, I mean, but that's fascinating too. It's like you just have to know what is useful and what is not. You, well, you have to be adjusting. Like, you can't look at strength of schedule without doing a manual adjustment of what the dynamics were when they played that team. And then these people that are bringing in last year's stats. Oh, so, yeah. how, how can you apply? Like, the Detroit Lions literally took players off the street one week. I mean. Imagine they do it for college football, too. Where yeah. It's, yeah, huge turnover. So, yeah. There are so many moving parts in this stuff to put a static input into any model. How about we do a podcast later this month where we talk about, you know, some teams and some bets and stuff. You want to be interested in that, maybe? We'll it's see. possible. We'll see what you have time for. It's possible. Las Vegas, Chris, everybody. Always a pleasure to have you in, man. Thank you. Lombardi Line, next. VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. Enjoy. Enjoy. 